0: Thank you, worship team. Well, that's a famous old classic. Amen, everybody. Uh, And if you're new at this, then you can't say amen because you never heard it before, right? So there you go. Well, I want to talk today about a, uh, it sounds like, what on earth is he going to talk about today, right? What is this? A Levitical protocol? Seriously? Seriously? I mean, protocol, interesting little word, right? And I'm, I'm going to unpack this for us so we're not confused too much longer here. Protocol originally was a term used to describe the first sheet on a roll of papyrus. It would identify when it was made. And because they used papyrus to write on, when there were like treaties being signed they would roll out the papyrus and they would write on the treaty and so it started to not only mean the the name, the sheet, the the cover sheet, but it was a description of the treaty, the proper steps and actions that should be taken for that treaty to exist, All right, so protocol. We use the word today especially in for example cancer treatment, right, we talk about a certain protocol And we know about diplomacy, when people go to other countries and they visit, there's certain protocols, how you interact. And uh, our president's been making a lot of trips, and I'm sure he's been learning about a lot of different cultures and the protocols, the proper steps. Here's what it means, a code prescribing strict adherence to a correct etiquette. And the reason that I picked that title is not because I want to preach out of Leviticus today, although that would be exciting, wouldn't it? Okay, so, but uh, really because of the word protocol, simply pointing that there are strict or correct etiquettes or procedures to living the Christian life as well. If you're a note taker, uh, I'm going to give you the fill-ins today on this uh, little handout. The first protocol, there's a protocol of discipleship just in general. That's kind of the backdrop to what I want to talk about today. You know, if I'm walking as a follower of Jesus, if I'm trying to follow him, there are certain things he coaches his disciples to do in order to maintain health and power in his life. Does that make sense? Okay, some of us know the basic things, and some of us do them out of rote. I mean, we just do them, not necessarily expecting life. For example, how many of you have ever had dry devotional times? Look at only two honest people in the whole room. All right. Yes, we all have. Because what happens is it slides into rote, right? But the alternative is cast it aside. No, that's not a good idea because departure from the word will almost always have a negative result. So failing to be in the word, Jesus said, you're my disciples. You'll abide in my word and my word will abide in you. So being in the word, praying. Finding opportunities to share or invite others into the kingdom, by the way, is part of the normal Christian life. 98% of Christians in America, I think, and most churches probably, have very little interaction with those outside and, and have the opportunity or take the opportunity to invite. Worship is part of that. I don't want to get off on all of this today because I could spend the whole day rambling and my ADD will probably kick in. So I'm going to avoid that. But one of the protocols of discipleship, just one, is a subject that pastors should never talk about. It's called giving. Now, I'm going to give my apologies. I've been here three years i've been challenged that I should teach on it, and I have resolutely chosen not to and I'll tell you why, okay, you want to know why i'm not telling no I don't want to tell you um, i i I spilled into it about three weeks back. It just fit in as an illustration, and so I spilled into it. but there's a reason that I don't like to. Somebody had once said that. The fight for a man's pocketbook is the toughest battle a preacher will ever have. Now I don't really believe that. But I understand why because most of us start out where this lady starts out in this famous and by the way this really is a spiritual movie it's called Ghost. And there's a scene where let me just let me set this up where Uh, Whoopi Goldberg's character has a check for $4 million, but she's got to get rid of it or it's going to cost her her life. All right? And Patrick Swayze is a spirit, he's a ghost. That's not biblical, by the way, just so you know. So, what I'd like you to do is picture him almost as like an angel or the Holy Spirit talking to her and watch what happens. Yeah. thank me later. How you doing? Now endorse it Rita Miller. No. Make it out to St. Joseph's Shelton. I believe you're making me do this. So give it to her. I will. I will. I just want to feel it one more time in my finger. That's you all. I'm give the feeling lady it the chicken. I will. you for the check. Bless you, child. Bless you. Look, give it to her. (laughs) Let, Let go. Let go. I'm proud of you, Otomei. You know something, Sam? I don't care if you're proud of me. You stay away from me from now. And what is that nun going to do it? She can't even buy underwear. Nothing. I hate you. Leave me alone. Never talk to me again. I think you're wonderful, Otomei. And that would be the preacher's reaction, too, I think, you know? So there you go. Let me get past that. All right. Well, I thought that's a great description, but it's kind of, it's just humorous. Although, here's why I don't like preaching on it unless I'm teaching on it. And today, the text brings us to teach on it. And that's why I'm unpacking it for you. Because if God doesn't have your heart, I'm wasting my time trying to steal money from you or anything else, right? By the way, I don't want your money. God doesn't need your money. You've heard that. I love Christians who say, thankfully, God doesn't need money. And thankfully, we're New Testament Christians, so we don't have to worry about the Old Testament principles like tithing or any of that stuff. Oh, there's all kinds of great rationale we'd never use with any other area of our life. Like, I should be faithful to my wife. But thankfully, we're not under the old covenant where you get stoned to death. So I guess I can go out and be unfaithful. You would never do that. But we blow God off in other areas, right? So all I'm doing is trying to instruct us how to be disciples. And that dimension of our life, when I came here, I noticed there were some real glaring problems. And by the way, let me just say this. I will interact with people. I can't tell you how many times in this assembly (laughs) I have observed there's something not working right in your life. You're missing some principles. Why don't you come talk to me? It's amazing how often... People don't respond to that. So if I want to grow as a disciple, I want to know what God says and how to make it work in my life. That's what I want for you, is the blessing of God, okay? And so I've, you know, I was avoiding this because, first of all, the typical complaint is that's all churches ever talk about, Right? You know, if you try to share with somebody, invite them to church. Oh, they're going to want my money and blah, blah, blah. No, Pastor John almost never talks about that. Sorry you came today. (laughs) But it was in the agenda, okay? And it's been three years. And so here we are in this wonderful passage of Scripture. Also, I hate when the church looks like a bunch of beggars, to be blunt. You know, always nagging for money, always asking. That's why I have tried to subdue... Many, many attempts to ask for extra because I think God needs to own my heart. And if I'm a disciple, I'm going to hear the spirit prompt me. I'm going to, first of all, obey the protocol of giving. There is a principle to be applied. That's number one. But number two, he may call me to give even above and beyond. I remember this is kind of fun. Oh, I I hope I better not say that I'll probably lose my. No, I'm going to lose my job. Um, I'll come back to that. Uh, Really, if God has my heart, then obedience is what I desire. If I'm really born again, the spirit of Jesus indwells me and the spirit of Jesus, the son of God, is always responding in sonship to his father. I always do the will of him who sent me. Didn't he say that? And that's what he's trying to build in us as well. Simple? So I'm appealing to the new birth. If, if I'm not born again, then, of course, I have no obligation to the kingdom and to God right now. You know what I'm saying? We all have an obligation to come to the God who rescued us, and that's where you need to begin. So I can be speaking to people on a number of levels this morning. Some are already doers. Let me encourage you if you're a doer. You already do it. You know what I mean. You, you already, some of you are on automatic electronic stuff. Ooh. Anyway, and uh, some are check writers and some are cash only. It doesn't matter. But you take that seriously. You do it. Let me encourage you not to check out, though, because there are things that I will hope you'll be edified and encouraged by because of your obedience. So if you're doer, good. If you're sort of like thinking about it, and it's kind of an occasional thing. Anybody ever been like me? You go to another church. Anybody ever visit another church? I'm go- I want to talk to you people. No, I'm kidding. You visit another church. You're sitting there, right? And the offering comes around. I better get a couple bucks out, right? Because when the offering plate, and it, come on, be honest. You know, I don't want to look like I'm a cheap, you know, I better put something in the plate. You know, if you're a disciple, you don't have to feel that pressure at all. If I'm honoring God with my giving, then I don't have to worry. It's already accounted for. I don't have to respond to guilt pressure appeals. In fact, I hate them. I think they're totally contrary to the gospel, to good news. So anyway, giving becomes part of our, of our discipleship. Look at this promise here. God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We like to have the little memory verse cards on our kitchen table, right? And we pull one out. Oh, here's a promise for me today. If you're not a disciple, that ain't for you. Sorry. Oh, but it's a promise. Yeah, read the context. We just heard it read, and I'm going to go through it. These were people who were engaged with the Apostle Paul, and they were disciples. They loved the Lord. They were trying to obey the kingdom in their life, and he makes this promise to them. And by the way, there's a number of great passages on this subject. So I don't want to be hyper-defensive on it. I just want to teach it, okay? And... um, there was something else I wanted to say. I told you my ADD was going to kick in. I hate when that happens. All right. So this is a promise to, disciple, to disciples. And so a disciple wants to understand what is the protocol about giving? What is that like? We must come under his order. You see... When you come to faith, depending on your personality, I, I am watching our culture. I don't know about you. Maybe you've noticed this. Our culture is unraveling. It really is. More and more people are living in kind of severe chaos. And um, God is a God of order. God is a God of creation. It says the world was chaos. He brought order. Out of the, out of the chaos, he created That's the description of our God. He is a God of order. Disorder to order, a God of order. And Christianity brings my life into order as well. You know that feeling that your life is out of control, your schedule's out of control, you're hyper? Do you know that that's not what God had in mind for you? Believe it or not. And one of the hardest things we'll ever get into our DNA here is learning the simple principle called simplicity you could probably do without about half the stuff you're doing and the things that are going on. You probably could. And it'd probably do you good. But it it, it requires a very clear decision about what you're going to give your life to. The other thing I was going to mention is that um, this is really an acid test of our... It really is a simple acid test of our faith. It really is. Because I can't... Guarantee that I'm going to have faith strong enough to pray for the salvation of my whole family? You know what I'm saying? Anybody got family members you're burdened about? Anybody else got family members that you're burdened about? Anybody totally unburdened? Uh, yes, I've got them. And do I have strong faith? Oh, that, that's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge to have faith for that. I want to pray for and witness to my neighbor who's really a hard-nose and hates Christianity. I, I, my faith is challenged about that. But to decide, here's what I've got in my wallet or in my checkbook, and say, this belongs to God, I can exercise faith and simply do it. It's really not hard at all. And do you know what? What I do with that is the proof of what I really believe. Anybody want to say amen? I know. Can I get a witness? Ah. Say it again. I don't know. We're going to have to work you people up. I don't know. I don't believe in that either so my point is and I think I when I rambled a few weeks back I said my my pocketbook and my date book will communicate clearly what I really value what really matters from my chair it looks like some of us really believe the bumper sticker that says the guy who dies with the most toys wins And that is not a biblical worldview. And we're missing discipleship here. Missing it. I remember years ago, I'm going I'm to throw out something a little bit radical. Beyond the idea, oh, he's going to preach on tithing. Well, I am going to touch on that. Not today, probably. Because that is part of the protocol. It's actually a training instrument for us. That's all it is. To build up our faith. Years ago, Christianity Today was a magazine... Um, when the moral majority was on the rise and, and uh, Christian businesses were on the rise and everything was looking fabulous for evangelicals and that sure flew the coop. I remember there was a cover of a magazine that had this businessman um, in front of his vehicle, fancy car, hand leaning on a, on a um, golf club and it said, this was an advertisement, if you're, like you, if you're like I used to be, maybe you can't see yourself or couldn't see yourself as a successful Christian businessman. So that was a big ad campaign. And I'm sure it was a gimmick to get somebody into some kind of a business scheme of some sort. A few years later, when that was very popular, a brother named Ron Sider who is very burdened about the poverty of the world and people starving to death and everything else as a brother, he was on the front page of Christianity Today, and they mimicked that ad. He's sitting on his porch with his beat-up Volkswagen in a row house, and he's looking out at you like this, and he says, If you're like I used to be, maybe you can't imagine yourself giving away more of your money for the world's needs. Sometimes it just doesn't cross our radar that there may be another thing God's calling me to. I can't tell you what it is. I'm not trying to pick anybody's pocket. I want to give you the opportunity of entering into the joy of letting God own you the way he should. So let's look at the protocol of discipleship. After discipleship, disciples can trust that God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. The protocol of giving. That's the next section. There's a protocol of discipleship and a protocol of giving. I've got three points. You can fill them in fast if you want. I'll tell you right now what they are. One, please God. Two, participate in the gospel. And three, personally benefit. Did you know that God wants to benefit you? Wow, what a radical idea. We think it's a tug-of-war like uh, Whoopi Goldberg there, you know? (laughs) I will! Yeah, that's about it. Okay. So here we go. One, pleasing God. Here's what Paul says to the disciples. Why am I not working? Go, 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 go. Hmm. That's a nice church. Okay. But I have received everything in full. I have an abundance. I'm amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Who's Paul? He's a missionary. He's an apostle. He's in jail. And these saints who are connected with him, just like we are connected with some of our missionaries, are sending support to him. And he says, I've got it. You have done a great job. I have what I need. And he uses this very interesting Old Testament language. What you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Anybody interested in knowing the joy and the favor of God? I have to speak at an awards banquet for the uh, uh, student-athletes. I'm scared to death. I just don't... That's not my element. I'd rather talk to 2,000 people than high school students and judges. But anyway... <laughs> but what's been going through my mind, anybody ever seen... And this really is a Christian movie. Chariots of Fire? Yeah. I, I love that story of Eric Little. He's running. And he... You know, when his head goes back, you know what's going on. And he tells you later, he says... He's arguing with his sister, who's an uptight, missionary lady, really, you know, prune pit, sucking. You know, she's like, Eric, you need to be giving your life to God. He goes, what was her name? can't remember. Let's say it's Annie. Annie, Annie. God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. I feel his pleasure. I feel it. Last week as I prepped the people for, dis- for uh, baptism, I love to say this. You know, you've come into the faith. You're ready now to mark yourself as a disciple. Here's a really cool thing. You are in the center of God's will right now. Why? He commands it. It's in the scripture. You trusted Christ. You're taking action. You're obeying. You're in the center of God's will. At that point, enjoy the pleasure of God. He's delighting in that. And the Bible has a lot of evidence on that one, right, brothers and sisters? Right, brothers and sisters? Any, any brothers and sisters here? Okay. Sorry. Uh, I'm really sorry. For those of you who are visiting, I do have a sick sense of humor, so I apologize. I'm just having fun. And if you don't have fun with us, then I'm sorry. A fragrant, acceptable sacrifice. Old Testament language. Watch this. In Leviticus, that's where I got it, Old Testament rules about how we give offerings to God. You know, they had all kinds of offerings. Money offerings, animal offerings, grain offerings, oil offerings. Now, when you offer a sacrifice of peace, aren't you glad we're in the New Testament? Oh, thank you, Jesus. We don't have to do all that. That's what I hear. I hear that all the time. It's a lie. It's the same God, Old Testament, New Testament, same principle. In fact, there is some relief because their tithing was probably more like 30 some odd percent or something like that when you think about it. That's another subject, isn't it? We'll look at that as the Deuteronomical protocol. Now, when you offer sacrifice, peace offerings to the Lord, you shall offer it so that you may be... Can you imagine that God might not be pleased with your giving? When I had a guy who was a sneaky, naughty man, but very well-to-do, offer me $10,000 for me to mentor him because he was trying to cover his record. You think God is pleased with that? You need to read your New Testament. Somebody almost got, well, some people got killed for playing games with God like that. Is it possible for my giving to not be accepted? Yes. When I give, and the reason I give is so I can control what's going on. Those people who think we own this money, you're in sin. I don't know how else to put it. You're in sin. Whether you're on a board or wherever you are, we're not in control. God is the one that's in control. It's not ours. Well, I gave to that fund. Well, then take it back. I think we've been playing the wrong way sometimes. Where do we get this stuff? But it happens, doesn't it? Fragrant aroma. What, are, what is this talking about? This accepted. There's language that Paul uses an acceptable sacrifice. Some of you like Greek, so I'm putting it up for you. Acceptable, dektos, sacrifice, thusia. Here's what's interesting if you go to Leviticus, there is a Greek version of the Old Testament. For those of you who don't know, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. But for the people of Jesus' day, in order for all the people who were raised in a Greek culture, they all spoke Greek. Some did not, even though they were Jewish, read Hebrew. So a bunch of scholars got together and rabbis, they're called the Seventy, L-X-X in Roman numerals. The Seventy is the translation called the Septuagint, the Seventy. That's where it comes from. The Septuagint, then, is the Greek version of the Old Testament. Guess what words are used to translate that verse? Same words that are used here. I'm going to show you in a minute. Acceptable, sacrifice, these words Paul uses. Fragrant, Euodia. Remember Euodia? That was a girl's name, too. Aroma, husman, those are the words. Here's the verse. Speak to the sons of Israel. Say to them, when you enter the land where you are to live, which I'm giving you, by the way, he gives us everything. It's all his, really. Question is, how much do you need to live on? I'm gonna do an audit of everybody. No, I'm kidding. I think it should be clear by now. I'm definitely not doing that ever. Because it's God's business to move on our hearts and want to give an acceptable sacrifice. So when you move to that land I'm giving you, then make an offering by fire to the Lord, a burnt offering or sacrifice to fulfill a special vow or as a free will offering in your appointed times to make a soothing aroma. There's Paul's language, the very words translated in the Septuagint. The very words, a soothing aroma to the Lord from the herd or from the flock. Did you notice there's commanded offerings? offerings you had to do and then it's possible somebody may love God so much he's like he has blessed me so much whoa I even got my motor home I get to go on vacation I'm so excited I want to give an extra offering a free will offering right That's what it's saying Either way it's got to be brought with the right protocol Offerings had to be unblemished they had to be offered by the priests There were all these regulations to indicate that it was brought the right way. And so this will be a soothing aroma to the Lord. Now, here's the the language is kind of cool because the picture is, if you will, what they used to do is sacrifice an animal. They would burn the parts of the animal, and that smell would rise up to heaven. It's almost as if it's it's, um, anthropomorphic language, God leaning over and... <sighs> oh. Huh? Anybody anybody here love your coffee in the morning? <sighs> ah right? So just one of the little pleasures of life God gives you? Coffee? Thank you, Jesus. I don't know what was wrong with Finney. He hated. Anyway, he's got issues. But anyhow, um that smell, it's as if God is leaning and going, Oh, that is good. Isn't that what we want? I want God to. Oh, that's good. That's good. When I do that, I feel his pleasure. So there's the number passage. Mm-mm, good. And that's what it is to God. So the first reason that I want to be a steward and I want to follow the protocol of giving is not because I think God is in, you know, in indigent. He owns everything. Uh, do we all agree he doesn't need Anything? People get wrong theology in their head all the time. You know, we lose a child. God bless it. It's a miserable thing to go through. And, oh, God needed another angel. No, he doesn't need anything. Doesn't need you. Doesn't need me. Keeps you in perspective. Your shoe size and your pant size and all that. Right. He doesn't need us but he invites us in oh my gosh I think that was the thing that grabbed me the most when I first got saved I thought I can be part of this thing that he's doing God's in the world when the lights came on for me I knew what it was like to come out of darkness and into light and I went I can be part of this I was like wow so that brings me to the next point oh by the way let me, start, let me end with this little story. I think some of you may know it. Anybody ever sing the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he? So if we're new at this, this is a Sunday school song, by the way, bro. You know what I mean? It's new. But Zacchaeus was a short guy. And he wanted to see Jesus. But what was his profession? He was a tax gatherer. And how did the Jews feel about them? Bad person. No good. And so they hated him. But he wanted—he was leaning in. He wanted to know. So what does he do? He climbs up in a tree. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Um, Steve, I hope this doesn't ruin your life for you because this is bad. you know. But anyway, they do sing pretty well, though, don't you think? And the Lord came along and said, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today. Right? He goes to his house. Zacchaeus is thrilled. Zacchaeus. Some people have joked, I think it was Billy Graham, that he was converted from the branch to the ground. <laughs> he comes home and he says to Jesus, remember, he's rich. How did he get rich? Ripping off the people in the name of Rome. That's how. And what did he say? Lord, he, he, they're eating dinner. They're having a good time in the middle of it. He says, Lord, Lord, I got an announcement to make. I just had an epiphany. Half of my possessions I'm going to give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anybody, I'll pay him back four times. only need to do twice or three times. I'm going to do four times. Anybody know what Jesus said to that? Today, the lights have come on. There's real faith here. This man just got born again. He's following me. He's come to this house. Salvation has come because he, too, is a son of Abraham. Who is Abraham? The father of the faith. He's a real believer. And why? Because he's putting, is it just money? It's not about just money. It's his life. It belongs to God now. And he makes this decision. One, I want to restore what I've defrauded. And two, I want to be generous to the people you say I should be generous. Jesus told him to do that. And that's what he did. But the privilege we have now is participation in the gospel. Here's what he says to the Philippians. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that the first preaching of the gospel after I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. Even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. We're participating in a worldwide strategy. God is making a family. He's rescuing people out of darkness. What's that? Amen. I heard that southern amen. Amen. That's better than the other amen. It's, nah, it's All good. Even more than once you did that. So we had a decision to make with our missions uh, budget. And the church rallied the night we had our business meeting. See what you all missed. If you didn't come, if you remember, woo, don't miss the next one. I just might sell the building. You won't even know what happened. <laughs> so, so on the spur of the moment, we all decided, you know what? We had to cut back our missionaries because of hardship here. And uh, we were thinking of maintaining that or doing it again and and we interact. I said, don't do that. This is what we're doing right here. This is what we're doing. You want God's blessing? Then bless those who are serving. Funny we've been paying our bills. We're in the black. How did that happen? But it goes more. Let me give you the protocol. There is a protocol involved. There's a principle involved. Yes, we serve our missionaries, I love to give extra to other things i do i 've given to the persecuted church i 've given to uh, outreach to to women who are being uh, abused by the abortion industry i 've given money to all kinds of different things the training of ministry people i 've given money to support my brother gary who um, who is trying to reach out to those who are sexually conflicted? And that is the issue for the church in this generation. We got our head in our sands. Our head in our sands. Our heads, thank you for correcting. You know what I mean. That is the issue. The church wants to pull into a little, let's get inside our walls. Look, we have the answer. How do people get free? The kingdom comes, it's transformational. I know what it did for me. I know how God stopped me dead in my tracks when I was about to sin sexually. Dead in my tracks as a brand new Christian. Bam! Can't do this. Oh, but the Holy Spirit left. He's on vacation? No, but he's grieved out of the church in America. I'm sorry, I just slid into preaching, didn't I? (laughs) All right, so here's the protocol. Yes, those are givings that are above and beyond if you're a real disciple because my first responsibility is here. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. It's talking about the local assembly first, your assembly when you have ministry involved. The scripture says you shall not muzzle the ox while he's threshing and the labor's worthy of his hire. We like to take Paul and make him the standard. Paul had a specific call in his life to be a bivocational minister. But there were times the churches supported him like we're reading about here. And there's a point where Timothy and others came to support him. They worked to keep him on the field preaching the gospel in foreign cities. So you can't make that the absolute. Besides, guess who said that bottom thing, the laborer is worthy of his wagers. Anybody want to guess? That's Jesus talking to his disciples when he sent them out, and he said, let people take you in and show you hospitality. It's on me. Oh, isn't that that inappropriate? No, not from Jesus' perspective. And how do we do that? We fulfill our protocol to honor God first with our giving. Let me back it up now. The elders who rule well, worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Why work a little hard? And... uh, it says double, you know what the word honor there means? Stipend. So I'll be talking to the FNF committee tomorrow. No, I'm kidding. Double stipend, that's what they're worth. That's what he's saying. So there's a protocol involved. We act like these verses aren't even in the Bible, but they are. Start there. Your first responsibility, and that's why I've, I've when I have spoken on it, it's God's. Get rid of it like that. Whoopi Goldberg (laughs) For me, it's like, get rid of it. It's God's. Get rid of it. Oh, well, that church isn't making good decisions. I don't care. It's not my problem. If you're in a church where they're making bad decisions, then leave that church and go to a church that's honoring God. And if we're making any bad decisions, speak to us, because I don't think we're doing it on purpose. So... Participating in the gospel is a privilege. And I love that. I love when I find out that where I've invested is bearing fruit. Don't you? I mean, you should be rejoicing that we've seen some fruit bearing. But on other fields as well, we talk to our missionaries who've been speaking to us. I love investing in them. And if they start seeing fruit born, ooh, guess what? We get some. Oh, well, that brings me to my last point. My God shall supply all your needs, disciples, because you're following the protocol. Do you really think that grace means there aren't rules in the universe anymore? You cross against the light, you're going to get, oh, sorry. It happens, right? We, get, we can get hurt. Last point. Personally benefit. I don't know how else to put this. Here's, well, he puts it better. Not that I seek the. I'm not after your money, he's saying. I'm really, you know what? I'm not anyway. It's God who's after your heart first. By the way, stewardship is more than just finances. So it's obvious he doesn't own all of our hearts, okay? It's pretty obvious. Not that I seek the gift itself. I seek for the profit which increases to your account. Did you know Jesus taught you to have a self-interest? He that loves himself, right? He makes it clear. You need to, you need to love yourself enough to want the blessing of God on your life. Love others as you love yourself. No wonder people have trouble... Loving others when they hate themselves, right? That's one of the issues God wants to free us up from. Did anybody hear that? That's one of the issues God wants to free us up from. Some of us, some of us carry a substantial amount of self-hate. I relate because I used to do that. Now I love myself so much. I'm making a joke. That's what you're afraid of, too. Boy, if I stop, right, I'm, I'm right, right? Am I right? If I stop hating myself, I'm going to be this narcissistic jerk, you know. Oh, dear, I'm so amazing, you know. I'm mean, just, holy cow, right? Isn't that the truth? Only Christians have those kind of conscience problems. Oh, sorry you guys aren't having any fun here today. I just really depressed here. Okay. Personally benefited. I want the profit which actually goes in your heavenly bank account. Look at this verse out of the... There's a whole great section about meeting the needs of the suffering church in... It was in Jerusalem at the time and the Roman Empire was brutal. And here's what it says. I testify, the Macedonian converts, non-Jewish believers according to their ability, beyond their ability. They were in poverty. They were being persecuted themselves. But they gave of their own, or they were having difficulty themselves. They were gave of their own accord. Look at this. I haven't had that happen to me very often. I'm begging you to take this money with much entreaty for the favor, for the privilege, for the, for the points, for the, um, the stockpiling, for the IRA in heaven's sake. For the favor of participating in the support of the saints. They begged us, please let us participate. Isn't that amazing? You saw the, uh, the nun faint, right? That's, like, that's what pastors would do. <laughs> please, please let us give us all Sorry. I guess I better stop apologizing because I'm not getting any better. So, right. heavenly stockpiling. That's what they're doing. They want to be part of it. I want to be part of it in my time. I want to be part of it in my faithfulness. I want to be part of it in in my service. I want to be part of it in my checkbook as well as my date book. I want to be part of it. And by the way, I, you know, some of us think it's like, oh, people, they get saved, they're at the church 24-7, they don't have a life anymore. That is not what God had in mind. Old school, some of us, we thought that was right. It's not right. We've harmed ourselves, our families, whatever. It's not right. But we have shifted on that pendulum swing way, way. To the There's just no rules. Just observe worship, how casual we are. I don't mean about having a good worship service. I'm talking about whether it matters at all. So there's this great story. I'm going to close with this. You may recognize it. Jesus walking around with his disciples. Did I do the second Corinthians? I did, right? Yeah, I did. Good. Let's put that down. He's walking around with his disciples, and this person comes. I mean, here's the good guy. Here's the rabbi. This is a guy that speaks for God, and people know that. People come to me, you know, I know you speak for God, so I should automatically have all the answers. You know, If the Holy Spirit doesn't give me a word, I'm sorry, I can't help you out. You can't put a quarter in the slot and, you know, my ear and out comes, it doesn't work that way. So this guy comes up to me, oh, I'm having trouble with my inheritance. My brother's hoarding it all. He won't split it up. Master, tell my brother to do the right thing. I've had enough of this. And Jesus basically says, go away. That was his response. Huh, who may do I, he basically said, do I look like a judge? I mean, am I wearing my robes? Uh, you know, am I a lawyer? You know, heaven forbid. You know, that's what he's saying. Not me. You got the wrong guy. By the way, there's great lawyers. But <laughs> so you don't get that wrong. Then he turns to his disciples. That guy probably went away ticked off because that preacher didn't give me what I wanted. That's never happened to me. He turns to his disciples and guess what the first thing out of his mouth is? Beware of every form of greed. Beware of every form of greed. In fact, let me read it to you. For even when a man has an abundance, his life does not consist of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, in a certain land a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? And he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones and I'll store my grain and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come take your ease, eat, drink and be merry because what happens on this planet is all that matters anybody know what he said after that? but God said to him you fool this very night your soul is required of you and now who will own what you have prepared so is the man who lays up treasure for himself but is not rich toward God Do you see how it's an acid test of genuine faith? Do I really see God? Do I really see what is eternal? Do I really see what matters? Is there a principle to apply? Yeah, I want to instruct you in the future as to how you apply the principle and make it work so that your faith is increased and you see God actually work on your behalf to meet your needs, to make that verse come true. Yes, I want to teach you. But the first place we need to begin is in our heart. Do I really see the one who is unseen? Do I really see the heavenly IRA? Where am I really investing in the long term? Where's it going to be? Is he real or is he not? Only you can answer that. I'm not scolding, I'm trying to encourage us that we walk in that place of I feel his pleasure. Oh, that's good. And that language was applied literally to cash. That smells so good. Why? Because out of a glad, worshiping, obedient, discipleship heart, they wanted to honor the Lord, and they did. That's part one. Let's stand together. Let me just say, uh, if you have questions and and, uh, need any kind of coaching, I'll be up here for a while. I would love to chat with you. Let's stand together as we close our time of worship this morning. Help us, God. When I think about the journey that we're on and where we're ultimately going to end up, sometimes I look back, even though I've had many moments of that pleasure, I wonder... Did I really get it all? Did I really get it right? Did I miss some major stuff here and there? So, Lord, I know my brothers and sisters probably wrestle with the same questions. And it is possible for us to have a sense of your favor, Lord. We need the Eric Little protocol. (laughs) That when we do, when we give, when we serve, that we sense your pleasure rather than feeling worn out and resentful because i had to do it it was duty or any other thing i'm not interested in that lord i'm not interested in disciples who are grudging about serving you really want to see you transform us from the inside out so please help us for those who have faithfully honored you let them have a little sense today of that oh that smells good And for those of us who have been tossing shekels, little coffee money, and we think that that's enough to thank you for letting your son be beaten and crucified, Lord, you you need to instruct us. And if I'm looking at it and thinking, okay, how do I move forward on that as a disciple, thank you that you will lead them and give them joy in serving you. The privilege of participation, of pleasing you, participating in your kingdom, as well as looking out for myself for the future. So help us, we pray. Put your angels around, your people, God. uh, Bless us, help us, make us fruitful. And we'll thank you in the great name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. Get in the air conditioning.